0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, amen. Can I say Happy New Year? Happy New Year. Year. It is great to be here. Uh, My name is Steve Freeman. I am staff evangelist here at the Heights. And uh, I appreciate Pastor Randy inviting me to come and to be able to share with you on this morning. And you know, this is how you know you're short when you bring your own pulpit everywhere you go. Amen. And that is what I have uh, to do. But I appreciate Pastor Randy so much inviting me to come and to be with you today, I'm an evangelist. If you don't know what that is, it is a preacher without a job. That really is the uh, <laughs> definition. Uh, God enables us to travel all over this country. And sometimes in other parts of the world, uh, preaching the gospel, we've seen so many come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus. We've seen so many believers come into a closer walk with Jesus. And so I appreciate your prayers for me and for Steve Freeman Ministries. You can go to our website and catch up as to where we're going to be and kind of know how to be praying for us uh, in uh, this new year. But I'm excited to be here this morning. How about you? Amen. What a great way to start out our new year in the house of the Lord. And, you know, when you, come, when you come to a place like this, you come to New Year's Day, and you're in church, you know, a lot of us, we're thinking back, aren't we? We're thinking back over the previous uh, year. We're thinking back probably about some things that we accomplished some things that we were able to achieve, some things we were able to do. Uh, You know what? For some of us, as we're thinking back over this last year, boy, we're thinking about some things that didn't get done, some things we didn't quite accomplish, some goals maybe we didn't quite uh, achieve. And, and, And you know what? For some of us, 2022 was all in all a pretty good year. But you know what? For others of us, 22 stunk. Anybody in that camp? You know what I'm saying? I mean, boy, you think back to all we've experienced over the last year. And you know what the truth is? As you get a little older, maybe like I am, you get a little older and you start thinking back. You start thinking back not over just last year, but, boy, you start thinking back over decades of your life. And maybe, maybe, maybe like me, you, you yearn for some of those earlier decades in your life where you were younger, maybe as a teenager, when you felt your very best health wise and, and, and life was a lot more carefree. You know, I can remember a lot about my teenage years And uh, being in high school and and as a young high school student, uh, one of the things that would fill me with all kinds of dread and anxiety was when the teacher would get up there and say, okay, uh, next week or in the next couple of weeks, I want you to get up and I want you to do what we call a book report. How many of you remember doing book reports? You had to read a book and then you had to get up in front of your class. And you had to tell them about what you have read and what you've learned. And that was the book report. Well, those things, they terrified me. That, man, they scared me to death. But maybe not for the reason you might think. You know, a lot of people say, oh, oh it must be hard getting up in front of people and talking. That's never really been my problem. That, that's never been what made me afraid. What made me the most terrified about doing a book report was knowing that I actually had to read a book the whole book and nothing but the book, every page, every chapter. Man, I got to tell you, as a young high school student, I wasn't a great reader. Now, it wasn't that I couldn't read. It wasn't that I couldn't understand the information. It was that I didn't love reading. You know what I did love? Watching movies. Can I get an amen? Anybody like that? Man, I loved watching movies. And, and, and I loved it when our teacher would assign a book that had already been made into a movie. I've hit the jackpot. Because I think, man, it's a whole lot easier to watch a two-hour movie than having to read a book that might take me several days, maybe a week, maybe longer. But you know what I discovered after doing book reports this way a few times? Boy, what I discovered is when you do a book, uh, when you do a book report rather about a book uh, by watching a movie rather than actually reading the book, you might miss some details that are fairly significant or important. And your teacher, it doesn't take them long to figure out he didn't read that book. Not one single time. And your grade uh, suffers as a result of it. I've thought about this through the years. Had my teacher assigned me to do a movie report, I think I would have graduated with honors. You know what I'm saying? Summa cum laude. That would have been this guy, you know? And, uh, but I tell you, this morning, believe it or not, we're going to work our way through an entire book of the Bible... Now, we're going to work our way through 150 psalms this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We are going to work our way through an entire book of the Bible. This book, as a matter of fact, has been made into a movie uh, for your viewing pleasure. And this this uh, and this book, uh, it is a small book. You know, while it would take you less than two hours to watch the movie, you know you can read through this entire book in your Bible in about six and a half minutes minutes. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to work our way through this book because this particular book, you know what it does? It contains one of the greatest revivals that you and I read about in scripture. This book also also contains the shortest sermon ever preached By a prophet of God. This book also contains one of the greatest miracles that we know anything about in scripture. And this book also contains probably the most bizarre and odd response of the prophet of God to God's great work of sending a revival. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jonah. I want you to be turning to the Old Testament book of Jonah in your Bible or on your your iPhone or your Bible app, whatever it is. But if you have your Bible, a physical Bible, open it up in the middle, you find the Psalms, and then just go to the right. And just keep on thumbing to the right, and and you will eventually find yourself in the book of Jonah of Jonah. And so 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 find the book of Jonah and I'm going to begin reading and I just want you to follow along with me in your copy of the word of God because I believe God has something for us today. I believe God has some very practical lessons and principles that we can learn from the book of Jonah. Now Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 begins this way. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying arise Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. So I want you to stop right there. I want you to understand God tells his man. God tells his prophet Jonah. He says, Jonah, I want you to do something. I want you to go to some of the most wicked, evil people on the planet at this time. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go preach uh, to the the Ninevites. And Nineveh is a very large and prosperous city there in Assyria. And and I want you to go preach to him. And, 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 And he's telling this to his man Jonah, his prophet. Now, who is Jonah? Jonah, he's a prophet to the ten northern tribes of Israel during the reign of Jeroboam the second, I'm sure everybody knows that. And uh, but but you know what? Second Kings chapter fourteen verse twenty five says this. It indicates that Jonah is from a place called Gath Hefer, which is near Nazareth, and that makes Jonah a Galilean. Now this is significant because you may recall in the New Testament at one time in John seven fifty two, the Pharisees they they said well they said no prophet arises from galilee but of course they were wrong and and, you know when you think about jonah and when you hear his name you know what you're probably not thinking about you're probably not thinking about you know he's a prophet to the 10 northern tribes of israel and i'm thinking about his ministry there no and you're not even thinking perhaps that that he was even told to go to nineveh and preach to the ninevites no when you hear the name jonah what are you thinking about you're thinking about a big fish. That's right. You're thinking about a big fish and we're going to get to that. But, but Jonah, he, he's kind of a rare individual because he, he's one of the only prophets that you read about in Scripture where God told, I want you to go to a foreign land and I want you to preach my message of judgment against them. And Jonah says, Hey, God, I I know what you want me to do. I want you, you want me to go preach to the Ninevites. But, God, I've got a little bit of a problem. I've got a little bit of an issue. What's the issue? Well, here's my issue I hate them. I can't stand the Ninevites. I hate their stinking guts. Have you ever heard anybody say, Well, I love him in the Lord, I love him in the Lord. If you have to tack the phrase in the Lord to that, you know what you're really saying? I hate their stinking guts. That's, that's what you mean. And Jonah says, God, I know what you want me to do. You want me to go preach to these Ninevites, but I can't stand them. They are evil, wicked people. They're, they're so evil. They're so uh, wicked. And I don't want to go preach to them. I, I don't want to do any of that. And, and, and look in verse 3. Look what he says. But Jonah, he arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So this is the only time, not only that you read about a prophet... That God instructs his prophet to go to a foreign land to preach a message of judgment against them. But this is the only time you read about a prophet where God says go and I want you to do this for me. And the prophet refuses to do God's command on his life. Boy, you see God speaking to other prophets, you know, like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And he says, I want you to go. And they say, yes, I'll go. And Jeremiah even said, Jeremiah said on one occasion in Jeremiah 29, he said, If I say that I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name. He says, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, for I cannot. And there's Jeremiah saying, I can't but do what God has commanded me to do. And here's Jonah saying, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. I don't want to go. In fact, I want to go as far away from possible. Those Ninevites, they deserve to burn in the devil's hell for all of eternity. I don't want to go preach to them. And so he goes down to Joppa, verse 3 that we read. And, And can you imagine this? He goes into Joppa. He walks into the local travel agency there, and he says, I need to get away. I want to go somewhere great. I want to go somewhere maybe exotic. I want to get away from this place. And the travel agent says, well, what what do you want to do? I mean, you can take a plane. You can take a train. You can take a boat. Hmm, a boat. That's curious. I've never done much sailing as a Hebrew. Maybe that would be uh, good. Do you have anything? Oh, yes, we've got a great boat, a great ship, just commissioned. I mean, it's sailing right out of Joppa. It's the Joppa journey boat. Boy, you don't want to miss it. Man, it's great. They've got great food. They've got great shows. They've got all kinds of dining and entertainment possibilities. You want to be on that ship headed to Tarshish. Sounds good. Give me the ticket. And there he goes. And there he goes. And, and you know, we look at Jonah, and we think, man, Jonah, that's pretty bad. Man, that's pretty bad, Jonah. I mean, you're a prophet of God. That's pretty bold of you. Uh, you know, God's told you to do something, and you have looked him in the eye. You, you know, you've said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. You say, man, that's pretty bad of Jonah. But let me ask you a question. Are we that much different than Jonah? You say, now, wait a minute, preacher. I, you know, I, I'm not a prophet. Okay, I'll give you that. You're not a prophet. I'm not a prophet. But, but you know what? If you know the Lord Jesus, can I tell you what you are? You are a Christ follower. Amen. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And how many times in your life and my life has God told us to do something, he's commanded us to do something that we have not done? I mean, you say, well, preacher, I don't know what you mean. Oh, really? How about this? Love one another. How about loving one another for a change? How about forgiving one another? How about helping one another? How about do not lie? Do not steal? Do not lust? Do not envy? How about love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength? How about loving your neighbor as yourself? Folks, these are just a few commands where God has been so very clear to each and every one of us. And we have done exactly what Jonah has done. We've said, God, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. In fact, I want to flee. I want to get as far away from you as possible. So he gets on the cruise ship. And then the Lord, verse 4, the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. You see, friend, God will do and God will allow whatever it takes to get our attention. Can I get an amen? Verse 5, the mariners, they were afraid, of course... And every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the ship. He'd lain down and he was fast asleep. Boy, I love that. I mean, think about it. 99% of this boat, 99% of its crew and passengers, they're all in panic mode. They're scurrying, they're praying, they're calling out to God, they're, 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 they're doing all kinds of things in fear, and there is Jonah. He's gone down to take a nap. He's gone to take a nap. Friend, I want to remind you of something. You can be completely out of God's will for your life. You can be running from God, you can be snubbing your nose at God, you can be ignoring God, and you can be completely out of His will for your life, and at the same time, you can appear to be at peace. Because you know what people say? People say, follow your heart, right? And now what we say is this, we say, you do you, right? you do you you do your thing you do you follow your heart you know what the bible says about our heart the bible says in jeremiah 17:9 that we should not follow our hearts why because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it who can know it verse 6 so the captain he comes down to jonah he says to them he says to him what do you mean sleeper arise and call on your god and perhaps your god will consider us that we may not perish He says, Jonah, get up, arise, do something. Man, everybody's panicking. We're all panicking. We're all praying to our gods for help. Why don't you pray to your God for help? Maybe we might not die. And then verse seven, look what it says. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? They said, what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And Jonah said to them, he said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, why have you done this thing? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Boy, did you see that last verse I just read, verse 10? The men knew that he had been fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. How in the world did that conversation go? I mean, I imagine Jonah, he's on the boat, he's sitting in one of the dining restaurants, he's got a group of men around him. They're eating, they're talking, they're getting to know one another. They're introducing each other. Tell me, what brought you here? One guy says, well, uh, my name's Bill. And the reason I came on this cruise is because, well, me and my wife were celebrating our 10th anniversary. We thought this would be a special time, you know, to get away. Oh, that's great, Bill. Nice to meet you. Another guy says, well, my name's Chris. Chris. Well, what brought you on board, Chris? Well, Chris says, well, my two kids, they both have just graduated uh, from college. And so, uh, so we are beginning a journey as empty nesters. So me and the wife thought it'd be nice to get away. Well, that's great, Chris. Nice to meet you. Somebody looks at Jonah. What's your name? Well, my name's Jonah. Well, what brought you here, Jonah? Well, um, I'm running from the Lord. <laughs> and they all kind of look at him like... Well, good luck with that. I hope that works out well for you, weirdo. I mean, you know, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And then they said to Jonah, verse 11, they said to him, so what shall we do to you so that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, this is what Jonah said, he says, pick me up. And throw me into the sea, and then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest, this great storm, is because of me. Huh. Jonah has a moment of clarity. But look at these men. Verse 13. It says, nevertheless, the men, they rowed hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. And therefore, they cried out to the Lord. And they said, we pray, O Lord. Please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so they picked up Jonah. And they threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice. And they took uh, vows. So at this point, as they cast Jonah into the sea, these godless idolaters... They have more fear of the Lord in that moment than Jonah does. And so they throw him into the sea and look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Verse 17, you know what it makes clear to me and hopefully to you? It makes very clear that God knows exactly what's going on in your life. And he is working behind the scenes. He is working even when we are running away from him. God is not surprised by Jonah. He's not surprised by Jonah's actions. He's not surprised by Jonah's rebellion. In fact, God is prepared for that very thing as he prepares this great fish. Now, so many people, skeptics, atheists, agnostics, so many people who don't believe anything about God or the Bible, they come to a place like the story of Jonah and they say, well, that's why I can't believe in the Bible. That's why I can't trust God's word because I just don't believe things like this happen. You know what? Things like this don't happen normally. That's why they're called miracles. Amen. Miracles don't happen every day. We don't see these kinds of events repeated over and over and over and over again. Science has nothing to say about miracles. Science deals with what can be repeated in a laboratory over and over and over and over again. This is something outside of that. This is something you're not going to see very often. And so this is a miracle. But people say, I don't believe in miracles. Therefore, I cannot believe in, Bible, in the Bible. Bible because I don't believe in miracles. What a crazy argument that is. Folk, uh, th- th- listen, God can do whatever He wants. Can I get an amen? God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants. And so people, they stumble all over the story of Jonah, and they say, well, maybe it's some kind of an allegory. Maybe it's some kind of a story. Maybe it's some kind of mythology. Maybe it is some kind of parable. You know what's interesting? Jesus didn't treat it as a story, as a mythology, as a parable. No, Jesus, listen, he believed in Jonah. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus didn't say it was just a story, a parable. He treated it as a real-life, historically verifiable event. I want you to remember, as Jesus, in Matthew 12, 39, and 40, as he is predicting his own death, burial, and resurrection, he says this. He says, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord His God from the fish's belly. Now, for time's sake, I'm going to summarize verses 2 through 9 for you for time. And here's the essence of verses 2 through 9 in chapter 2. This is basically what it's telling you and me. Jonah says, God, I was wrong. God, you are right. And God, I will do what you want me to do. Go to verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, it's amazing to me, folk, how being in a difficult place helps us to refocus ourselves and our lives back on the Lord. Haven't you found that to be true? Amen. You know what happens when everything's going great in your life? You say, everything's going great. What do I need the Lord for? And then let a little hardship come your way. Let a little sickness come your way. Let a little tragedy come your way. And what do we do? Oh, we get real spiritual then, don't we? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Help me, help me, help me. But, but you know what the tough times do? They do help us to get our attention and our focus back on the Lord. And while you and I probably have not spent three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, I'll tell you what we have had. Each of us have had some long and painful Days Haven't we? And we've had some long and sleepless nights in what you and I would call a terrible storm of life. But I want to tell you, thank God for your storms. Thank God for your storms. God does so much work in us and through us in the midst of our storms. But look what happens in chapter 3 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Do you see that? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm so thankful that God is a God of a second chance. Amen. He came to the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah, he arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three mile journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out to it and he said this, He said, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his sermon. Yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah is preaching the greatest sermon of his life. And can I tell you, he's also preaching the shortest sermon of his life. And some of you right now are hoping and praying that I would do the same. Amen. And you know what Jonah didn't need as he's preaching this sermon? He didn't need cue cards. He didn't need sermon notes. He didn't need a manuscript. Yet 40 days in Nineveh will be overthrown. I want to tell you, eight words, that's all he needed. Listen, eight words from the Lord are more powerful than 25,000 words from man. And folk, we know it was a God thing. We know God is the one that did this. God is the one that brought this about. Because look what happens. Chapter 3 verse 5. So the people of Nineveh. They believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth. From the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid aside his robe, and he covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let him eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily to God, Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell? If God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Stop right there. Folk, I want to tell you what's happening right here. Genuine, real revival. Can I get an amen? Amen. Repentance is happening. Repentance in the city of Nineveh. Repentance, turning away from their sin and turning back to God. How many of you like me think this is exactly what we need in America today? Amen? Amen. Man, this is what we need here in the good old U.S. of A. But, friend, I want to tell you something. We need this. We need revival. You know what? We don't need another election. Amen. We don't need another Congress. We don't even need another president. Friend, it doesn't matter who is running the show, whether it's Democrats, Republicans, Independents, or Progressives. Friend, what we need in America is a revival. Amen. Amen. We need God's people calling on his name, coming back to God in a mighty way. We need to see lost people coming to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus. We need real revival. And people say, oh, but America, oh, we're too far gone. We're too far gone. Friend, I am in my 30th year of evangelism, full time, traveling across this country. And I want to tell you, as far gone as we think America is, I want to tell you, God is greater than that. Amen. Amen. And, folks, you look at what happens. Nineveh, one of the most evil, wicked, detestable, pagan spots on the world at that time. If God can bring revival to Nineveh, he can bring it here in America. Amen. And God saw their works. Verse 10. He saw their works and how they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon him and he did not do it. Friend, this is one of the greatest revivals we read about in Scripture. The whole city of Nineveh has repented. They've turned to God. Man, I would have loved to preach that sermon, right? I would have loved to seen a whole city come to a saving faith in God. And I would think, man, if I'm Jonah at this moment, I'm as happy as could be. I'd be so happy. I got to preach. I got to see God move. I got to see God work like that. But that is not at all how Jonah felt. Look in chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. Woo! angry are you kidding me i mean the whole city's repented the whole city's come to saving faith in god and jonah you're not happy not even one little bit you're angry it doesn't make any sense you would think a prophet of god they would want he'd want to see god working god moving god stirring hearts god changing lives god putting broken people and broken pieces of lives back together but he's angry about it and then he goes to talk to the lord about it listen what he says look in verse 2 So he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Oh, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And uh, therefore now, Oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know what Jonah's saying here? He says, God, I knew you would do it. I just knew you would do it. I knew you would give those Ninevites another chance. I knew if I went and preached to them, you'd let them repent of their sins rather than destroying them. God, I knew you'd be gracious to them. But God, have you forgotten how wicked they are? God, have you forgotten how evil they are? How much harm they have caused to people on this earth? God, it infuriates me. I'm so angry. God, I wish right now, I wish you would just kill me because I'd rather die than live knowing that you've been gracious to those Ninevites. Woo, Jonah's got a problem, doesn't he? And the Lord says to him in verse 4, he says, Is it right for you to be angry? I guess Jonah thought it was right because he sure was angry. And he went away to pout. And he doesn't go to argue with God about his anger. He doesn't say, God, I'm not angry. Not me. Not me at all. No, he doesn't say any of that. He attempts once again to flee from the presence of the Lord. Look in verse 5, chapter 4. So Jonah went out of the city. And he sat on the east side of the city. Sat on the east side of the city. I'm a little older. I grew up in in, in the uh, 70s and 80s. And uh, in the 70s, I used to watch that show, The Jeffersons, growing up. How many of you watch The Jeffersons? I love that theme song, where we're moving on up. We're moving on up to the east side. Every time I read this verse, I think about that song. Because Jonah, he wants to go to the east side. He's moving on up. He goes to the east side of the city. And there, he makes himself a shelter. He sits down under the shade till he might see what would become... Of the city. So here's what Jonah's doing. He goes to the east side, he gets himself a nice little spot to sit and to watch what's gonna happen to the city because Jonah's thinking, okay, God, I know, I know, God, you're loving, but you're also just. God, I know you're loving, but you're also just. God is love, but he's also just. In his love, God, I know you gave the Ninevites the opportunity to repent, but God, in your justice, I'm waiting to see you go in there and rain down fire and brimstone and destroy them for their wickedness. I'm waiting to see your justice kick in and you wipe them off the face of the earth and I want a ringside seat to see it. Now, I wonder this morning, and we're getting ready to close, but I wonder this morning how many Ninevites you and I have in our lives right now. You say, I don't know a single Ninevite preacher. Sure you do. You know, people who have hurt you, people who have betrayed you, people who have taken advantage of you, people who have mistreated you you, people who have said all kinds of ugly things about you, people who have lied about you, people who have cheated you, people who have stolen from you, and and you've got some people in your life like this, and you know what you're thinking? You're thinking, boy, I hope one day I live to see you get what's coming to you. I hope on judgment day I'm standing right next to you, right you got some people like that in your life. You know what they are? They're Ninevites. They're your Ninevites. But can I tell you something? As bad as Ninevites are, do you know what the real problem is? We are all Ninevites. We're all guilty. We've all hurt people. We've all taken advantage of people. We've all used people. We've all mistreated people. We've all lied about people. We've all cheated people. And I believe that because of that, there is a significant number of people in your life and mine right now that we may not be aware of. But when they hear our name or they see us in public, you know what they're thinking? They're thinking, I hope I live long enough to see you get what's coming to you. I hope I'm standing next to you on judgment day. I want that ringside seat just like Jonah. But the Lord, verse 6, chapter 4. The Lord prepared a plant. He made it come up over Jonah. Jonah. That it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Now, I want you to underline that part of chapter four because this is the only time in the whole book of Jonah where he's happy. That's right, the only time he's happy. But as morning dawned the next day, verse 7, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And verse 8, and it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. And then he wished death for himself. And he said, It is better for me to live than to die. Oh my goodness. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. Jonah's got a death wish here. You see that, don't you? I mean, at first, he's all angry about people, the Ninevites. Oh, God, I can't stand the Ninevites. I can't believe you saved them. I can't believe you let them repent. God, I wish you'd kill me over these people. And then he's angry about a plant. So his anger goes from people to plants. I got to tell you, that's pretty nutty. That's nutty. But you know what, folks? That's what anger does to you and me. It makes us nutty. Amen. Because when we don't handle our anger properly, we will fuss, fret, and fume about things that normally would not and should not bother us. Verse 10. But the Lord said to Jonah, You've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. Boy, so what are we supposed to do with the story of Jonah? What are we supposed to take away here? Are we supposed to walk away today saying, you know, it's really great that God can create a fish large enough to swallow a guy named Jonah and he can stay in the fish's belly for three days and three nights and that's my big takeaway from Jonah. No, that's not the big takeaway from Jonah. Listen, God, listen, do you know when God created the world, he spoke everything into existence. He spoke everything out of nothing. And so by comparison, I think God creating a fish big enough to swallow Jonah, not so much of a big deal. Amen. It's not a big deal for God. It didn't even break a sweat. He didn't break a sweat over that. But what are we supposed to learn from Jonah? There are some principles and there are some lessons we should learn from the story of Jonah. Here's three principles I'm going to give you as we close. Principle number one is this. God has called each of us to go. Can I get an amen? amen? God's called each of us to go. If you are a Christ follower, friend, listen, God has called us to go and to tell others about Jesus. And you know, we hear that kind of thing and you say, oh yes, oh yes, it's good for God to call people into the mission field. Yes it is. And God does call people into the mission field. And sometimes God may call you into a mission field. He may actually call you to go to a foreign land, to go across the ocean, to preach the gospel to somebody. He may very well call you to do that. We have people in our church that God has called to do that. The Gallaghers have been so faithful in doing that. Listen, we know other mission missionaries like that who have been so very faithful. And so we say, okay, God's called each of us to go. And and you know what? For some of us, that might mean going overseas. It might mean going on mission trips. It might mean going into some foreign land. But you know what? It could mean going into your own backyard. Can I get an amen? amen? Going into your own backyard. Because you know what? We've got people in our neighborhood that need Jesus. You've got family members that need Jesus. You've got friends that need Jesus. You've got coworkers that need Jesus. You've got classmates who need Jesus. And guess what? God has told each of us to go. Can I get an amen? Amen. And friend, if we're not being obedient here, guess what we're doing? We're acting like Jonah. If we're not doing it, we're just like Jonah. So before we pick up rocks and want to hurl them at Jonah, let's hurl them at ourselves first. Until, listen, instead of saying, oh, Jonah, that guy, he didn't trust the Lord. He didn't believe God. He, didn't, he wasn't obedient. Guess what? If we're not doing these things, neither are we. Amen. And then we wonder, God, why don't you bless me? God, why don't you bless our church? You know, church membership and attendance across the board in every denomination is on the decline rather than the increase. And can I tell you why? One reason. God's people are living in disobedience to God. When God has said go, and we have said no. We're living in disobedience, and then we wonder, why is our country such a mess? Why are our kids in such a mess? Why is the world in such a mess? It's because we're not giving the world what they need, and what they need is Jesus. Amen. Amen. God has called each of us to go. A second principle I want to give you is this. God has been patient with us even when we have said no. Folk, aren't you thankful that we do serve a God of second chances, of third chances, of fourth chances? We've all been the recipients of God's patience in our lives. Do you know it is the patience of God? Listen, Romans 2.4 tells us that it is God's kindness and His patience that is meant to lead you and I to what? Repentance. Because of his kindness, because of his patience with you and me. And folk, when we live in disobedience to God, when we live in disobedience to his commands, guess what? Consequences will follow and God will do whatever it takes to get our attention. And for some of you, God's been speaking to you a long time about coming to a saving faith in Jesus And you felt His Spirit convicting you of your need for Christ and being saved from your sin. And for whatever reason, boy, you keep putting it off. You keep saying, not today, not today. But one day, you know, one day I'm going to get right with the Lord. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that today is the day of salvation. Amen. If you hear God's voice, if God is speaking to you, do not put it off. And here we are, January 1st, 2023. We're in a new year. New opportunities in front of us. New possibilities coming our way. And and you know what we all think? We all think we have all the time in the world. But can I remind you of something? There were people in our lives, at our workplace, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in this church and in churches all across this world. People who were alive and well. On January 1st, 2022, and they certainly believed they would be here January 1st, 2023, but they are not here. Why? Because life is short and unpredictable. Get right with God before it is too late. You see, God's called each of us to go, God has been patient with us even when we have said no. But a third and final principle I want to give you as we close God has given each of us A story to tell. Amen. We each have a story to tell. Oh my goodness. I would have loved to have talked to Jonah. After all of this. Can you imagine Jonah going around the rest of his life. Going I've got a whale of a tale to tell you. I mean it's incredible. You say I don't have Jonah's story. You don't need Jonah's story. You've got your story. You don't have to tell anybody else's story. God has given each of us a story to tell. Amen. And so what is it that's going to motivate us to tell our story? What is it that motivates us? Three things. First of all, remembering that God cares about all people. Amen. He cares about your friends. He cares about your family. He cares about your neighbors your coworkers, your classmates, and can I tell you, your enemies. God cares about all people. Can I tell you a second reason, a second motivation? Hey, number two, God cares about you. God cares about you. You know, sometimes we say, God loves the world, and we think that, right? We think God loves the world. Well, God loves everyone in the world. But sometimes we forget, I'm part of that world. I'm part of those people that God loves. I want to tell you, God cares for all people, but God cares about you why because you are somebody's friend you're somebody's family member you are somebody's neighbor you are somebody's coworker you are somebody's classmate you are somebody's enemy but i want to tell you god cares deeply for you how do we know look at the cross amen. amen you look at the cross you look at what jesus did for you and for me and that should tell you more than anything else that god cares for you and the last motivation for us to share our story is this god cares that we care about all people. God cares that you care. About all people. Now as I was thinking about this message. This morning. And uh, in, over the last several weeks. As I've been preparing for this day. I asked myself the question. Is there anything. That I am more concerned about in my life. Than seeing unbelieving people. Becoming fully committed followers of jesus and i asked myself that question and you know what i didn't like the answer i didn't like the answer because the question went from is there anything that i am more concerned about in my life than seeing unbelieving people become fully committed followers of jesus the question then became well how many things are there in my life that i am more concerned about than seeing people become fully committed followers of Jesus. And I know it's true in my life because of the way when I look at my time and when I look at how I use my finances and my gifts and even my freedom, when I look at that, I realize there are so many ways in which this is not a priority in my life. And can I tell you, I'm an evangelist it should be the burning passion of my life seeing other people come to a saving faith in Christ but can i tell you something it should be all of our passions as a christ follower amen, amen. and i've had to ask god god forgive me for letting so many other things in my life in my world be a greater priority in my life than seeing people who don't know christ Come to a saving faith in the Lord. So, God, here's what I want to do for the new year. Here's my resolution. I want to see more people this year come to saving faith in Jesus than ever before. How many of you join me in making that commitment? Amen. Amen. We each have a story to tell. Let's pray. Oh, God, help us. God, if we're honest with you this morning, we're no better than Jonah. You command us to go, we say no. We run from you. God, would you forgive us? Forgive us for thinking that we could even run from you. How in the world can we escape you? I pray for those this morning who may be in need of a relationship With Jesus. I pray for those this morning. Who need to be saved. By your very grace. I pray that even now. With heads bowed and eyes closed. They might call on your name. And ask you to save them today. Right in this moment. They might say Lord Jesus. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart right now. And be my savior. My Lord. And my very life. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to die for me on a cross and raise from the dead. And right now, I thank you, God, that today you have saved me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, for those who may have prayed even that simple prayer, inviting Christ to be their Savior and Lord, we thank you for your saving work today. And God, I want to pray for so many others who are here and who would just say, Lord, Lord we love you we belong to you we know we are your children but god we've been so disobedient in this area of sharing our faith telling others about christ god would you forgive us for that and god would you help us help us to take every opportunity we can to tell that family member those friends those neighbors those coworkers and classmates and yes even our enemies God, would you help us to tell them about Jesus so they can be saved before it's everlasting too late. And that is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.